Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, February 5th, 2015. Today we are reading from the AA Big Book, and we will begin reading on page 47, the second paragraph, beginning with, We Needed to Ask. Today's readers are for the 12 Steps, Sylvia F., for the 12 Traditions, Nancy S., and our readers will be Rachel N. M., Larry K., and Elaine B. The share ID for Wednesday, February 4th, is 7302. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting to our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sylvia F. to read the OA 12 steps. Good morning, visionaries. This is Sylvia, a recovered compulsive overeater in upstate New York. Uh, um, One, we admitted we were powerless and that our, uh, I'm sorry, there's some noise coming from my computer. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for His knowledge, for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you, Sylvia. Sylvia S. I will now ask Nancy S to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Sally. Thank you for your service, and good morning, everybody. 
This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, a recovering compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can hear you perfectly. Okay. Thank you. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise as problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do this service, I pass. Thank you, Nancy S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 47, paragraph two, beginning with we needed to ask ourselves but one short question. I will ask Rachel N.M. to get us started with one paragraph. Good morning. This is Rachel N.M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from Ohio. Very grateful to be here this morning. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe, that there is a power greater than myself? 
As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. This is my favorite thing about God and the program. I am still astonished to believe that we can start out with, I'm willing to believe, or I'm willing to um, be willing to believe or to be healed. I, I didn't have a problem with believing in a power greater than myself as far as uh, creating the universe, etc., um, but it was hard for me to believe that there was that God would truly take over my struggle uh, with food and take it away because I had prayed and prayed and tried and tried. But amazingly, it's gone, um, and I'm I'm so thankful for that. That that's all I have to share. I pass. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much for your service to us. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph on page forty-seven, beginning with "We needed to ask"? Anyone else? Hi, this is Sheila. Bill. Sheila H. Oh, Sheila. I'm sorry, Sheila. Sheila Charles H. H. Renata. Charles Renata. Janice. Janice. Thank you. Okay, let's get started. Sheila H., you go ahead. Hi, good morning, Sally. Thank you for your service. Good morning, visionaries. Sheila H. calling from Orlando this morning, much warmer than New York. Um, wanted to share on this paragraph because this is probably what's Achilles for me to accept that, yes, I had a relationship with God. I believe I always have. But to surrender the food over and to believe that... Um, when my mental obsession took over, that God could lift that from me, that was something that I couldn't imagine. And that was something that didn't happen one, two, three. I wish I could say that. It didn't happen one, two, three. It took time after time, a little bit at a time, a moment at a time for me to see that when this mental obsession started and, you know, rather than letting those tapes keep going and then up eventually picking up something to quiet, because that seemed the only thing that could quiet those mental tapes was to pick up a food or drug of choice. Um, little by little, I kept asking God, just please help me. Just please help me. No big fancy thing. Just please help me. And little by little, I saw that, and that has definitely been a change in my life as I work toward continuing to recover each day. And just wanted to check in and thank everyone for their service, and thanks for that. I pass. Thank you, Sheila. And Charles, you're up. Charles? Yeah, Sally, you hear me? I can hear you. Charles, what's the first initial of your last name? Yes, H. Charles H. Go ahead, Charles. Thank you. Good morning, visionaries. My name is Charles H. I'm a covered visionary just for today. Um, Do I now believe or am I willing to believe that there's a power greater than myself? to me, that's the second greatest question in in twelve step history. Of course, the first uh, the first greatest one is why don't you choose your own conception of God, which is on page twelve, which is what every um, 
um, ask Bill W. So this question, you know, and and and, and like I said, I am a religious um, uh, compulsive overeater, and you know, I had to, I had to, we had a um, a men's meeting in church last night, and and you know, we were talking about all types of different things, and being that we're on we agnostics, I I had the audacity to say that. Um, and, and I said it, and it, it was a it was a quiet moment after I said it. And this is what I said: I said the fact remains is that um, many Christians or many believers, rather, um, are agnostics and atheists because you know they say that they believe in, but they don't believe. They say that they you know that they have that they have knowledge, but they don't read their Bible. So we agnostics is um, without knowledge. So if if I just go to church on Sunday and read my Bible, I'm with I'm an agnostics because I'm not I'm not in the Word. I need to be in the Word every day. Same thing with my program. If I am not studying this big book every single day, I'm an agnostics. And if I don't have if I don't believe my higher power. I'm an atheist. So even though I'm a Christian, I'm an atheist and agnostic every day. That's, you know, my new motto, ground zero, Charles H., ground zero. You know, this way when I'm at ground zero, I'm level, balanced, and, and, and I believe. I believe. I've been convinced um, by, by my, my, my disease, my affliction, my addiction, Whatever you want, whatever I want to call it, and I do believe that a power greater than myself can pull me out of the muck. Last night there was a, a, a gathering with the men, about fifty men, and 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 they cooked all types of sweet stuff. And when they, they knew not to ask me if I need, I said, mm-mm, "Brother, I'm here to listen, um, indulge in the conversation." And, and go to my house and eat my abstinent dinner. And that is a power greater than myself because me in the flesh, I I told them guys, I said, you don't want me having one piece of whatever y'all got there. You don't want that because y'all not going to get anything. So a power greater than myself in that moment, I see it, that it works so beautifully. Right. Without that, to, I, me, I was lost beyond human aid, and I can talk about this so much. But uh, I'm a pass and enjoy everybody else's share. God bless you all, and I wish you all a day of abundant recovery. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Charles and Renata. Renata, what's the first initial of your last name? G as in girl. Oh, thank you, Renata. Good morning. Go ahead, Renata. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata, Recovered Compulsive Veda in New York. Um, and, you know, this is step two question. Right? Do I now believe or am I willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? And to me, that translates, you know, can I let go of pride, of ego, and be willing to believe that, you know, a power greater than me can can help me? You know, admit that I've tried everything else and it didn't work. That my willpower, that knowledge is not enough. You know, can I, can I, can I, I admit that and be willing? Um, you know, if I'm not willing to believe, I, I can't move forward. 
I can't take the other steps. Uh, you know, being willing to believe in a power greater than me is the cornerstone, like it says here in the text, of the spiritual arch that I will pass through freedom. And a cornerstone is indispensable. It's a fundamental beginning. So without that, I can't build the arch. I can't go with, I can't move forward with the rest of the steps. You know, um, I know that I was willing to believe in food before I came to program. You know, I was willing to believe that the food would make everything better, even though it didn't. You know, even though it, it failed time after time. It would numb me out for a few seconds, but, you know, I was always left with the misery and devastation of, you know, the, the consequences of overeating. And uh, But I kept believing in it. I kept chasing the food time after time, you know, and uh, food was my higher power. It dominating, merciless, punishing, slaving higher power. So now, you know, can I, can I now believe or be willing to believe in a different kind of power, you know, in a higher power that will help me and not destruct me? Uh, it wasn't too hard for me to make the change, you know. Um, and so, you know, uh, I had to become willing to believe in a higher power that it was greater than me, greater than the food, or greater than any other human power. Because, you know, nothing human was able to help me so far. So that's all I want to share, and I guess. Thank you, Renata. And Janice M. Yes, good morning. Good morning, Sally and everyone. Thank you for your service. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, compulsive, recovered, compulsive overeater. Now, this is step two, like was said. I hope I'm not repetitive. Do They, they ask, do I now believe, now, or... Am I even willing to believe that there is a power with a capital P? Well, it doesn't ask if you do not believe, you can't go on. Nor does it say, imply to me that, okay, I believe, so I'm all set. You see, because a lot of people think, well, gee, I don't believe at this step, so I can't go on. No, this is not what it says. Now, like was said previously, I believed in everything physical in this world. Food would be my higher power. Uh, money would be my higher power. Human resources would be my higher power, okay? But guess what? By this time, the first step, I found that none of this worked for me, so I became powerless. So now they tell me that I'm going to find, they assure me, see, they assure me in the room, because it happened with them, that they could assure me emphatically that this is work. This works when we find this higher power through the 12 steps. That's what happened to me, because I said, well, I have a God. I mean, I don't even know why I have to read this chapter. But guess what? (laughs) I didn't practice God's principles, my higher power's principles. I did everything the opposite. You know, oh, I was religious, and I went to, you know, the school, and I taught in the school, but I didn't practice it. I didn't practice what I was supposed to. I was still stuffing my mouth, gambling, or doing something against God's principles, okay? I always did the opposite. I relied on me, nothing else, no other power. I wasn't teachable, you know? But when I came into OA, I saw the problems of others 
like you, the people that are on this line. A simple reliance on some power. Well, how did they get that power? I don't know. They went through the steps. So this is proven. It's not, it's not a trial here. It's been repeatedly proven. So if it's proven for you and proved for me, it's going to be proved for you. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Chelsea? Chelsea? Good morning, Chelsea. Good morning, Sally. Thanks for your service. I'm Chelsea. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. And I just want to um, speak to the um, information here about the cornerstone and um, the asterisk that appears there, because this is the third time that they're telling me to be sure to read the spiritual experience. They mentioned it back on page 25 and also on um, page 27 for us to read that spiritual experience, and I'm glad and grateful that it exists because that was my ticket now for me to know that this is truly an experience with power of my own understanding. And all of that information that came before this willingness question let me know that I can develop, however inadequate, whatever relationship I'm going to establish with power doesn't have to be fully fleshed out right now. I do get to say it's not me. And at this point in the work, I was clear about that because I wasn't able to stay stopped of my own uh, marshalling the will of marshalling my own will. So this spiritual experience is telling me that um, I had to have a personality change and it had to be sufficient enough to bring about recovery from alcoholism. And the whole idea was, it says in the spiritual experience, that it manifests itself among us in many different forms. So I get to choose. I don't have to take anybody else's conception, and I don't have to have it all ironed out right now. All I have to do is say that I'm willing to believe, and I'm willing to believe that there is something greater than me because I haven't been able to do anything in and of myself. And it's a a relationship with power. It doesn't say anything about me joining any churches or getting involved with any other literature or even, um, you know, make swearing any oaths or anything like that. It's just asking me right here, right now, am I clear that I'm not God? And if I'm clear that I'm not God, there has to be something greater than me. I don't know what it is or what it will be, but that spiritual information that's given to us in the, um, on page 567 helps us to make some kind of at least admission that I am not God, and with that information I can move forward with the rest of the uh, process so that I can develop a much deeper understanding and spiritual growth. But I can commence on a much simpler level is what this is telling me as long as I'm willing the willingness, the cornerstone. So thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Chelsea. And Larry, I'm going to ask you to read for us pages 567 and 568, The Spiritual Experience, and then share with us. Uh, Thanks, Sally. Thank you so much. Uh, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Chicago. Appendix 2, The Spiritual Experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first 
printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Many of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find, we find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Okay, so this, uh, you know, the the the, the, uh, the spiritual experience, you know, my spiritual awakening was of the educational variety. So for me, it happened gradually, incrementally, over time, as the the, the pieces of have God's puzzle came together for me, and. You know, I, I knew that I was absolutely powerless, and the, the progression of each step, what it did is it enabled me to gain clarity. So my perceptive fog began to slowly lift, and in time, um, I was able to see that which I previously didn't understand, because, you know, we don't know what we don't know, and th- this this practical program of action for me was something that absolutely brought me in alignment with the higher power of my own understanding. Prior to that, I had an awareness of a higher power. Most people do. But the problem was is I wasn't plugged in. I didn't have access to that higher power of my own understanding in a way that, you know, that I could make that work and, and God would allow that to work in my life. See, the food, the fat the poor relationships, 
stepping on other people's toes, the anxiety attacks, those were all symptoms. I thought those were the problems. And like whack-a-mole, I could just try to solve each of those problems in a, in a, in a sort of compartmentalizing them and that somehow that that would make my life better. But what I learned with the spiritual experience in this appendix is that was my solution. And, um, you know, the, the God of my understanding made that possible for me. And it, it was really good for me to, to know that this didn't have to be some sort of sudden and spectacular upheaval. And, and maybe Bill had that white light experience. You know, Bill, you know, I did not hear, uh, you know, trumpets and see angels. And, you know, that was not my experience. However, nonetheless, today I am recovered. I have a peace and serenity in the midst of challenges and all sorts of things in my life. The food, I have neutrality around the food. My relationships are, are good. I don't have a perfect experience. After all, how could I? I'm human. Like, I'll never have an experience outside a human experience. So I'm an imperfect human. But what a great thing to know that if I am willing and open-minded, as it says here, and honest, those would be the essentials of my recovery. And, but they're indispensable. They're indispensable. And I love Herbert Spencer's, um, you know, talk here, his, his comment, which, you know, the, the proof against all arguments, which cannot fail to keep, you know, me in everlasting ignorance, which it did for, for many, many years, was that contempt, that prior to investigation, that I thought I knew, and I wasn't open to that open to a change. This, process, this whole process is a process of change. So I'm very grateful that uh, I was able to be brought into alignment with God. I just know that there is a God. That's what I call my higher power. And it's not Larry. It's something else outside of myself that um, enabled me to recover. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry. Thank you so much. Who else would like to share on the spiritual experience on 567 and 568? Kim, Vasa, Kathy K. Okay. Kim, Vasa, Kathy K. Go ahead, Kim. Kim G. Did you hear Sue G? I didn't want to cut you off. Oh, I didn't hear. I didn't hear Sue G. Thank you. So um, Kim, Vasa, Kathy K. And, and we Elizabeth. I heard Elizabeth, and I heard someone just before Elizabeth. Who was that? Rita R. Rita? Yes. Rita R. Okay, Kim G., go ahead. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I'm going to zone in on one word here. The first sentence says, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism so that word bring was really important to me because, you know, I, I really, it does not say maintain. It says this process will bring about this spiritual experience. I cannot stop there. I think about how, you know, my, in my guiding days, it was all about getting to goal weight. And so once I got to goal weight, I thought it would just magically stay there, that I had arrived moment that Bill talks about. But I had that I had arrived moment many times in a way. I would think, okay, well, I did these steps, and I my personal experience, I never really had a spiritual awakening, but I definitely had moments of relief, moments of temporary respite by working the steps in different books besides this book. 
But then I would just say, oh, I had a ride, and I wouldn't do any step work after that. And inevitably, I would go back into the food. You know, we often talk about one day at a time, and this is my personal opinion. I think we have in 12-step programs work that into white-knuckling the food, white-knuckling the alcohol, white-knuckling the drugs. One day at a time, I'm just going to white-knuckle it, and I'm going to use self-propulsion and self-will to get through the day. The big book doesn't mention anything about uh, one day at a time until we get to step 10, and then it warns us we have a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. So the one day at a time comes in, once I've had this personality change, I have to make sure that I continue to grow in effectiveness and understanding or I'm going to lose it. Now, the only other book that is mentioned in the big book is William James' Variety of Spiritual Experience. And that's what Evie brought to Bill in the hospital. And Bill has talked about the, the, the thing that really hit him was this idea that the spiritual experience had two qualities. One was calamity, which I think all addicts can understand. That's what brings us to these programs. And the other is that it's transitory. It's fleeting. It's going to go away. And that's where Bill felt compelled. He had to keep giving it away. He had to keep working these steps. He had to keep carrying this message because the only way he was going to keep this spiritual experience was to recreate it in others. And that's what I feel. That was what I was missing. When I said I lived in 10, 11, and 12, what I was really saying was, when I'm in enough pain, I'm going to use 10 and 11 as a panic button. If things are going my way, I'm not doing 10 and 11. And step 12 for me personally was taking people's foods and acting like a life coach. I wasn't working the steps with anybody. I wasn't recreating a spiritual experience in somebody else or helping them achieve that with their higher power. So today, when I know that this personality change has happened to me 100%, but it was brought about four years ago, I can't maintain that by what I did four years ago. I have to be growing. In step 10, I have to have daily contact with recovered people because otherwise that thinking of my brain is going to start taking over. I must have daily contact with my higher power. Make sure that I leave that conduit open between me and the power that has saved me. In step 12, I have to be talking to the still suffering. I have to make sure that I'm carrying this message, which means the steps. How many fifth steps have I taken? How many people that I've worked with have completed the steps and started sponsoring? Have I, have I, am I working the steps versus just giving advice? And the last thing I want to mention, because that's me 10, 11, and 12, and we're talking about step two, is my step two was simply I believed in the futility and fatality of my life, and I believed the people I heard who were recovered. I didn't know if this would work for me, but my belief in that it worked for them was enough for me to move to step three. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Kim G. Vasa, you're up. Uh, it's Vasa. Sally, did you call my name? I sure did. Vasa, what's Thank the first you. initial of your last name? Vasa O. Vasa O? Yes. And good okay. morning, everybody. And thank you, Sally, for your service. And I'm Vasa O. Recovered Compulsive Overeater calling from Florida. You know, by the time I came to the program, I was open-minded and I was, I was willing because of my pain. And uh, I was just so, so ready, you know. And I found really comfort when I found out finally what was wrong for me and that, you know, I needed to find a power greater than myself. I thought, what a, you know, how lucky, you know, how, you know. This is awesome. I was so grateful. 
So, you know, I was open-minded, and as I said many times before, my sponsors um, uh, 12 stepped me for one week. We spent a lot of time on the telephone or over coffee before she brought me to my first meeting. So, again, you know, you know, I, and I, God was working through her, you know, and I liked what I was hearing from her. And it just gave me so much hope because I had lost hope, you know. There was no more hope left anymore for me to put the food on and to keep it down. You know, it just did it for many years. It didn't work, you know. I had all the education. I knew all about the food. I just couldn't put it down. I could do it for a while. But I was one of those, and I loved the, the back uh, on, on 569, the spiritual experience, and I remember reading that over and over and over, you know, where I fit in, in the spiritual experience. Well, I was the one of those people that had a, a spiritual experience all at once. The minute I made the decision to surrender to God and put the food in God's hands, and put and to put my life and my will. I wasn't sure about that, but I knew I, I had to. I knew I had to put the food down because it was going to just kill me. And I asked for forgiveness, and I didn't expect it. I didn't see God. I didn't touch God. Uh, you know, but I felt this power, this energy go through my body. And I started, you know, I just felt like the burden just lifted. And I did this on my knees. I needed to humble myself. That's what my sponsor said. So I was a good listener. So you're going to get on your knees, Vaza. I'm okay. That's fine. That's not too hard for me to get on my knees. If that's what I need to do, then I'll do it. I'll, I'll humble myself. And that's what happened to me. I, you know, I felt like this burden just lifted. I hadn't even lost a pound yet. This was my first meeting. And I didn't want to share that much about God because I was too embarrassed to talk about oh, what had happened to me. But, you know, gradually when I heard other people, every once in a while I heard a person that had uh, all of a sudden experienced experience, spiritual experience, then I started sharing gradually. So, you know, I, when I put the food in God's hands that night and I never took it back because when the mental obsession started coming back to pick up the food, I always went to God to please to relieve me. And, of course, I had the 12 steps, and I had the meetings. I had the fellowship. I had the tools to, you know, I'm not saying the tools made me abstinent. God made me abstinent. But I used the tools, the readings, prayer, and, you know, and I haven't stopped by the grace of God. Thank you for letting me share my path. Thank you, Vasa. And Kathy Kay. Hi, this is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. And um, thank you, Sally, for your service today. Um, this uh, Appendix 2 spiritual experience has been vital to my recovery. Um, I remember the first time I read it, I had a big sigh of relief when I read most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James called the educational variety. They develop slowly over a period of time. That just gave me hope because uh, at that point I had been um, in the OA rooms for 12 years. Um, but when I read this, 
uh, I realized immediately that I was one of those that was uh, experiencing contempt prior to investigation, that for 12 years I didn't even want to consider the possibility of a higher power in my life. Um, And so in reading this the first time, I developed a bit of hope. And then finally, um, I was invited to consider working the steps. And it was really when my step sponsor um, asked me to uh, pray on a daily basis, um, especially before I did any writing on my fourth step. And so I did that. I started uh, reciting the third step prayer before I did any writing. And before I knew it, um, I was looking forward to that prayer, and I was looking forward to quiet time, uh, even though I still had a very fuzzy uh, conception of my higher power. Um, And so for me, it was a very, very slow process of transformation. And um, it really came about by working the steps, uh, talking with fellow travelers uh, to learn how they conceptualize their higher power and uh, helping that just helped me to begin conceptualizing my own. And I'm just so grateful that today it's become a very, very central and normal part of my life to spend time with God every day. And if I don't, I definitely miss it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay and Sue G. Hi, it's Sue G from southeastern Pennsylvania. Grateful in recovery here. And, yeah, I, I, um, I love the Herbert Spencer quote. So I'll read it. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. And that principle is a contempt prior to investigation. So uh, just for today, this principle, which reminds me of the ego deflation that I need to practice my program, starts me out, and and I'm working backwards from it. I like it. What What is the opposite of contempt prior to investigation? Well, the previous sentence seems to have a prescription for me. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. And this is something that just for today, I'd like to pray and meditate on and, and, and do an inventory. Where, where am I in willingness openness, and honesty just for today. So I can do that on my own time, not yours. But then I flip back to page 417 in the story, Acceptance Was the Answer. And I'm still reading backwards because now I'm going to look at the first full paragraph on that page, and it says, Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. So then, moving backwards to the last thing I'm going to share is the previous paragraph, which says, 
at the end of it. When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. And, of course, when I live in the answer, <laughs> well, let's see. Um, the, the answer can go away. So, so I, I need to have complete acceptance of the whole process. And, and that's what step two reminds me of, to, to quiet down and listen to the process that's happening in this meeting and in the fellowship and utilize that to work the steps and work the steps in the order they're given, and take it easy. Just go with the flow. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Sue G. Rita R. This is Sarah W. Masher. Um, Sarah, you're on a list. <laughs> you can certainly share. This is Rita R. Thank you. I'm a grateful recovered compulsive reader from New Mexico. And I had a paragraph of a concept identifying a higher power um, from the big book. And I had read that to a recovered uh, compulsive reader from the vision from you. And she gave me my first assignment, which turned into many assignments to identify in four or five words, identifying a power personal to me, um, that I could utterly abandon myself to this. And that I was learning that, you know, that was my beginning of my recovery journal. And with her as my sponsor and the higher power that I could utterly abandon myself to, my cornerstone was wonderfully uh, in place for this effective spiritual structure. And I came in with desperation and willingness and open-mindedness. And now I truly experience the promises, you know, from the educational variety that I was for that profound spiritual experience. And I'm so thankful um, to have that contact with both my sponsor and my higher power in five words. So I'm going to thank you for having me share, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rita R. And Elizabeth, it's your turn. Elizabeth? Elizabeth? Okay. Sarah, would you like to go ahead? Sarah W. Elizabeth Ashton's here. Thank oh, you, Sally. Okay. Cheers, Turvin. Good morning. Sarah, hold on one second. I'm so sorry. Elizabeth just came in. You'll be That's back. That's fine. Yeah. Go ahead, Elizabeth. I, guess I was still muted. Um, my name's Elizabeth Ashton. I'm in Alberta, Canada. And um, coincidentally, I'm working exactly on this um, page and the spiritual experience with my sponsor, last night and so i just wanted to share i'm grateful for all the recovered voices i hear on this call for this vision for you um and also implicit in that is there's a hundred recovered alcoholics that wrote this book 
has given me the courage to go um, and start step four. So I just want to express my gratitude for that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And Sarah, go ahead. Did you call me, Sally? I did, Sarah. Go ahead. I'm sorry for the confusion earlier. Oh, no problem, no problem. Uh, good morning. Thank you for your service, Sally. This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, you know, on the on the page 567, it says, um, the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifest, manifested itself among us in many different forms. And I know for myself, um, a lot of my experience has been in nature. Um, when I would start to go out and I would hike in the mountains of Arizona uh, in my early years in recovery in about 1995, and I really had this sense of uh, God consciousness that came about me, um, just a totally different way of looking at what life was and the en- enormous amount of gratitude I had and almost like a little child when they open their eyes and they see something they've never seen before, that newness, that that experience of, you know, wow, I never noticed that before, I never thought that before. And, you know, it talks about the personality change, and I think, you know, I've heard it in the room said that, you know, that once we, you know, we experience some sense of a 12-step program, it destroys our binges or it destroys the way we look at it. And I think in many ways it does. And, you know, I guess my my biggest thought is, is that this um, particular uh, paragraph where it says, most emphatically we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. And so today what I can say is that my God consciousness is about uh, really keeping an open mind that even if somebody comes to me with a negative um, idea about me, that I, I don't close my mind to it, that maybe there could be some truth and maybe I could learn from it. And also, um, you know, whatever the experience that I'm going through, whether it be a difficult or a very joyful one, that it will bring about a lesson, and that is, for me, a huge part of the God consciousness that has occurred through working these steps and continuing. So thank you for your service, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah, and this is Sally A. in South Jersey. I'm going to just jump in here and, and share on a few really important things on this page quickly. I wanted to first draw your attention to the fact that on page 567, the word change appears three times. We see it in the top paragraph, the personality change, sufficient to bring about recovery. We see it in the middle paragraph in the last line, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. And then in the bottom paragraph, do you think maybe Bill's trying to drive home a message? He finally realized that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life that such a change, there it is again, change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. And I'm not going to take the time to ask you to read page 143 and what it says, some very vital information about this word change. But we know 
that we have to change. And change is really hard for me and for a lot of other people. Change really indicates that step three, that we made a decision to turn, go a different direction, change. And another point that I wanted to bring out here at the bottom of the page, it says, what, what often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. And we know that Ebby, on the bottom of page nine, that we find out in Bill's story that Ebby was recovered in two months. And here we see a few months. And so, you know, there are a lot of people walking around proposing that um, to go through the 12 steps in anything less than a year is just not going to get the job done. But right here on page 567, we see some important evidence that it can and it can be done what often takes only a place in a few months. That's really an important sentence that I often have, um, you know, turned to um, in defense of taking someone through the 12 steps in three months. And then the final thing I wanted to say to you is that there's a really important sentence on, in, in the 12 and 12 in step two on page 32 at the very end of step two in the 12 and 12. And I, I just wanted to share it with you because it chimes in so beautifully with what we're learning here. It says here, close to the bottom, but sort of in the middle of page 32, it said, we had been asking something for nothing. That's what it says. We had been asking something for nothing. And that was me. For years, I had the trappings of religion with my religion, and I had the trappings of OA. I had a sponsor. I had been through the steps, albeit I had only gone through step five any time I ever did it. I had the trappings of what I needed, but I wasn't willing to. To do what it takes. I wanted something for nothing. And so when we read these two pages, 567 and 568, we are given some very important components, essentials. The word is used is elements on page 568. It uses the word elements. Bill gives us the exact same list of elements on the bottom of 13, and we see it a third time in the book on page 57 at the end of Fritz's story. And so obviously this is crucial. This is vital, essential, these elements to our recovery. And they require open-mindedness and a willingness to be willing. And ultimately what it really boils down to is, are you willing to change? Are you really willing to make a change? This does take work. Anybody who enters chemotherapy, they spend three solid months working hard to get well. Anybody who's got real dialysis, they have to spend hours of their week getting well. And we are no different. That is the nature and the severity of our disease. We require that time. Thanks for letting me share and with that. I pass. And who else would like to share? We have time for at least one more. One more person want to share? Leah. Leah, take it away. Thanks so much. Sally, Leia M. Recovered. The personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism, and he finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's hard to sum up, you know, this uh, appendix in a couple of minutes, but, um, you know, I needed to find a power which was going to turn and change me and transform me, that was going to intervene in my life. Because, you know, if you're like me, and I don't know if you are, um, my greatest obstacle to my recovery was me. 
<laughs> my mind, my thinking, my judgment. I needed a new mind. And that was possible through the process of these steps. You know, what the big book promises is that by working these 12 steps, it will remove the blocks that keep me from a higher power, however I have conceived it. I came in with no conception, really. Uh, but the program of recovery told me that if I was willing to believe, that higher power will enter into my life and give me sanity if I proceed with these action steps. And there's no promise that I will believe in, in the God of a religion at all. The only promise is that I will have sanity. I will have uh, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. I will have a strength and a power that I know did not exist in me when I was trying to deal with uh, my problem on my own. So step two, like we've been studying, only requires that we be willing to try to find our higher power. That's all. <laughs> our willingness is enough to start the process of working the 12 steps. And when we work the 12 steps, we find that automatically, which is guaranteed by the end of step nine, we become, a, we become sane in the relation to food without any effort on our part in dealing with food. Right? So it really is a remarkable process. You don't have to figure everything out in the get-go. This uh, program of recovery is broad and roomy. It's all-inclusive. It's never exclusive. There is a spirit of accommodation here. However, uh, you know, it does come to the realization that I had no power of, over my disease, but I am responsible for it, meaning I did have to cooperate with this grace, which meant that I had to take action by proceeding through these steps, because if willingness is the key to unlock the gates of mayhem and madness and hell for someone like me, it was the action steps that opened those doors so that I could eventually walk freely. And I do continue that today. You know, I have not found it necessary to take a first compulsive bite since January 19th, 1987. And, and there are a couple things that that says to me. One, I haven't needed to uh, take that first bite because the program has given me the spiritual tools to work with to make those inside changes within myself and within my attitudes so that I no longer find uh, it necessary to seek an outside substance to find ease and comfort. And the second thing that that says to me is that this program works. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And we're going to go ahead and close our meeting this morning with the reading on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Elaine B., would you be willing to read for us page 164 in a vision for you? Thank you for your service, Sally. Elaine B., recovered in Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.
Until then. <laughs>